Gar and I, as you know, as we sit here together and, and talk about this, we, we understand accountability and we are accountable for what this team did this year. We don't run away from it. We accept it. Uh, that's that's on us. Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. For me to be here in the NBA organization, such a historic organization that Chicago Bulls, so it's just a dream come true for me. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. This is going to be a process. It doesn't, you'll snap your fingers and it all happens at once, but um, that's the plan moving forward. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at FanRag Sports and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, Bulls writer and NBA at FanRag Sports and the host of the 312 podcast. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Make sure you're following the Locked On Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. 331-979-1369, our text and voicemail line. Hit us up, say what's up to us, wherever you're listening to the show, whenever you're listening to the show. Interact with us. We love hearing your questions, your comments, just your overall feeling about this Bulls team. But Matt, what's going on? We have finally made it to the last day of the regular season in the NBA and what I consider to be the last day or maybe you could say at the end of this week the last week of the first year of the rebuild so how you doing oh god Jordan can you believe we finally made it one more game tonight I am so ready for this bull season to be over definitely some ups and downs many nights when I did not feel like tuning in and watching this team but uh we stuck through it. We're finally here, and uh, praise be, praise be unto the end of this Bulls, uh, this Bulls rebuilding season. And credit to all of our Locked On Bulls listeners who have been staying tuned in, staying interested. I know it was not a fun or easy season to watch, uh, but Jordan and I really appreciate everybody who has still been tuning in, still been keeping an eye on this team because that is the sign of a true fan when you are sitting there watching this Bulls team when it is not necessarily fun to do but hey the finish line was always there we finally have it in sight hopefully we can wrap up the season with a loss against the Pistons tonight to secure at least seventh in the draft lottery positioning maybe if the Kings beat a resting Rockets team tonight we can even pull into a tie for sixth and we'll go from there so yeah, I would I would say this too, not only to our fans, but to all the guests that we've had on to throughout the entire season, um, every beat reporter, radio host, um, journalist, player, coach, um, anybody that's been circled in the NBA that we've had a guest for, uh, far and above, probably the best stacked list of guests we've ever had as, as a podcast in the one year that we've been doing this. And a lot of people around the city are, you know, you, you talk Bulls basketball with some people. I feel like I tend to go to the bars and strike up conversations about the NBA with some people. And anytime I bring up the Bulls, people just go, yeah, nobody cares about the Bulls in the city. They stink. They, they're terrible. Um, no direct 
direction, blah, blah, blah. They spit out the the same gar packs, hate them, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of try to spin it to people like, it, that's not really true. Because if I take what our numbers say and the conversations that go on Twitter every single day, social media, there are a ton of people that still care about it. So everybody that's listening right now, obviously you are part of that group that you still care about this Bulls basketball team enough to listen to us talk about it. So like I said a couple weeks ago, we are going to have some really exciting stuff coming into the offseason for you guys. Um, a bunch of NBA draft stuff potentials of what we could possibly be doing this summer as far as the Chicago Bulls go, combine stuff, draft stuff, and everything in between. And along with that, too, we will not leave you hanging and leave you dry on the playoffs as well. We'll we'll give you guys our full opinion on that as well. So we want you to stay here at Locked on Bulls as the offseason is going to start tomorrow. And I, I don't know about you, Matt, but I consider tomorrow or maybe you could even peg it as Friday once the players do their their exit interviews and the press meets with the front office for one last time and they kind of do their talk. Um, I consider it the start of year two in the rebuild. So a lot of things and a lot of implications there too and a lot of things to talk about in what is the next step for the Bulls for next season. Yeah, and uh, we should mention... I don't know if they have a specific time for it. Usually it's, you know, either one or two in the afternoon. But uh, John Paxson's end of the season season recap meeting with the Chicago media will take place tomorrow, Thursday, uh, I believe, at the Advocate Center. So, uh, again, I'm not sure if they have set a specific time yet. But if you can't tune in live, I'm sure that they will have live coverage, you know, NBC Sports Chicago and a few other places. Um Certainly, we can break down what exactly Paxson had to say in our Friday episode and see what this Bulls front office thinks about this first year of the rebuild after choosing a new direction, after choosing to trade Jimmy Butler. And you're right. I think that kind of signifies that John Paxson press conference will signify turning of the page and looking ahead to year two of the rebuild starts with that John Paxson press conference to say, here's where we are. Here's here are our thoughts about the season we just had. Here are our plans moving forward, and then it's it's all draft talk from there. I'm very interested to see what they say and the type of questions that are going to be asked of this front office at this end of the season press conference. Obviously, it'll be a little bit different than maybe what we saw last year um, or maybe even two years ago when the Bulls had missed the playoffs. But well, yeah, um, Paxson won't be talking about, well, if Rondo didn't break his thumb, maybe we would have gotten to the second <laughs> round of the playoffs. So I'm very ex- I'm very excited. I'm very interested to see not only what they say in terms of maybe what they're looking for in terms of the draft. I feel like a lot of it's been pretty hush-hush, pretty quiet in terms of what maybe they're eyeing. A lot of Bulls experts, people that have opinions about the Chicago Bulls, um, certainly have their their hunches and their foreshadowings of what the Bulls might take. But I'm very, I'm very curious if there are going to be reporters there tomorrow that'll ask them specifically what they're looking to do in the NBA draft. And as far as the Pelicans pick goes and their own, pick like what are the top priorities in terms of what players you want to bring in is there any idea of maybe possibly moving up being aggressive this summer Um, and just sort of what the plans are for the entire team as a unit Um, I'd like to hear a little bit more on what they think of Fred Hoiberg's progression too I think that's been one of the biggest um, if you're talking about development this season and you talk about the front office, you talk about the players, you talk about the coaches. I think Fred Hoiberg has done a really good job in year three of of what really you could consider year one of him coaching. 
And I think those two years that Fred Hoiberg picked up with the Jimmy Butler situation, coming into Chicago, having all these stars, he was able to learn a lot. He got pressed a ton by Chicago and people here that love the Bulls. Um, But this was really the first season that we got to see what he can actually do as a coach and with players that he wanted to develop. Yeah, I think you have to at least give a a quick round of applause to to Hoiberg this season because he did at least finally seem like a coach who was in charge. And he reprimanded his guys when they didn't come forth with uh, a respectable and acceptable amount of effort. And that's something that he was harping on all season. Look, it doesn't matter how talented we are on paper. It doesn't matter if we're outmatched. What I care about is the effort and, and executing in a way that is proof that what I'm teaching you guys in practice is what you're doing out on the floor and we did see some some elements of that this season and you're right it'll be interesting to see what Paxson has to say I'm sure he'll get at least a question or two about Hoiberg's development this season and then even looking ahead to this offseason as we're talking about year two starting essentially with this Paxson conference press conference tomorrow what can Fred Hoiberg do with this bunch in the offseason how can he help them as individual players and as a collective unit. And, of course, some of that will come down to what exactly he has to work with, who's staying, who's going, are any new pieces being brought in, obviously one or perhaps two draft picks, um, because we saw some chemistry issues, and particularly chemistry issues with the three pieces in that Butler trade. We only saw 12 games of Markkanen, Dunn, and Levine on the floor together, but in those 12 games, those two, those three did not have strong numbers as a trio on the floor. So what can Fred Hoiberg do working with his guys this offseason, even before training camp really begins, to sort of get people on the same page, do some, some offseason workouts together, and, and try to you know help Chris Dunn develop his three-point shooting, help Zach Levine figure out exactly when he can be a ball-dominant player and when he needs to yield to Chris Dunn, all of these things, help Markkinen more uh, you know, diversify his offensive game. There is a lot on Fred Hoiberg's to-do list this summer, and yes, he has done a good job this season playing with a young group of guys that are all buying in, and really, as you said, kind of the first year where he's been in control and in charge now year four aka year two of this experiment that's when I think we can really judge the quality of Fred Hoiberg as a coach and improving young players because if we don't see a big leap and big growth from this young core next season some of that at least has to be on Fred I totally agree with you and I I take it too as a learning lesson from the first two years that Fred Hoiberg was the coach of this Bulls team and I'm hoping that with any with any spark of luck and with anything that we know about Fred Hoiberg as a coach and the reasons why the front office wanted him to be the head coach here, obviously, outside of his Iowa State connections, um, but that he's he's a phenomenal basketball coach and he's got a great mind for basketball. And I'm hoping a lot of the, the things that he learned from the first two years, a lot of the mistakes that were made there um, has translated in how to better an NBA team and how to really build a, the foundation that you need to win in this league and I think Fred Hoiberg in stretches this season has has learned um, some valuable lessons about the young players and the talent that he does have on this roster and the ability to fight and scrap through games and I think that's another thing that that this team doesn't get a lot of credit for obviously all of us wanted them to lose games this year this roster was built to lose games this year but at the same time I have to give the Bulls team as a collective unit 
a ton, a hell of a ton of credit because they scrapped in a lot of those games starting the season, which I think a lot of people tend to forget. Three and twenty. The Bulls started three and twenty on a disastrous tank route. Uh, it was it was going in line perfectly. And this team pulled together three or four stretches during this season where they scrapped into the games and they were playing against playoff teams, beating playoff teams at one point. So I have to give them credit for staying in games in terms of what they were doing and what the goal is for the player. Um, For the front office, well, I mean, the top five pick was the goal. You didn't quite get there. Hopefully we can cross our fingers tonight with a possible tie for six. And this is the other question, Matt, I wanted to ask you. With Luke Baumote dislocating his shoulder last night in a meaningless game against the G League Lakers team, pretty much. Do you think the Rockets at all will sit every single one of their important starters like we were hoping, and maybe this pushes them to do that more so tonight, and any way the Kings could possibly pull off a win against the Rockets tonight? I, I see no reason for Mark D'Antoni to not. like what, what, what is the value of playing Harden or CP3 or Clint Capella in this game? There is none. They have the one seed locked up, not only in the Western Conference, but across the league. Their home court is is solidified through the playoffs. They can't necessarily you know, improve their potential first-round opponent by a win or a loss. There is nothing that would – nothing good can come out of playing those guys tonight. Really nothing. So, yeah, I think if the Kings, who – have been sputtering along all season and have had key guys missing uh, in in their own regard. They they can they can want to finish their season on a positive note. So, yeah, we beat Houston, and you know it might be a B or C team version of Houston, but whereas Houston has no benefits of playing their star players and trying in this game, Sacramento. You know, maybe they are, you know, obviously they're aware that if they win this game and the Bulls lose, then instead of having the entirety of those winning combinations as the sixth worst team in the lottery, they are then going to be splitting those and the average of the sixth and seventh spots with Chicago. And for a team that is still trying to rebuild this, you know, the Kings have been irrelevant for years, you know, they they're aware of the stakes. But if Houston sits everybody and a similar thing happens where you know Bulls fans are frustrated with that little three game win streak at the towards the end of the season that cost them a few spots the players still go out there and play and, and you're not going to see players trying to lose on purpose the coach can do some things to try to put together bad lineups and bad groups in the the second half and the fourth quarter but the players are going to go out there and play so we might get an accidental win for the Kings tonight if Houston sits everybody, and I see no reason why Houston wouldn't sit Yeah, everybody. that in- injury coming to Bahamute yesterday night was unfortunate, and I think it's there's been a lot of criticism even heading into this morning just in the 12 hours that it happened. There's been a lot of criticism about why was he in the game? Why were they testing these guys to play two or three quarters just to give him a run? against? This the- sounds danger- dangerously familiar. Yeah, seriously. For a certain Bulls game one of a playoffs in 2012. <laughs> everybody flipped out at Tom Thibodeau for D Rose being in that game late in the fourth with the Bulls up 10. Very true. And so that's why I'm hoping that we don't see any James Harden, no Clint Capella, no CP3, no Eric Gordon, no Trevor Ariza. 
and you go out there and let the rest of them play and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, like you said, though, the Sacramento Kings aren't oblivious, and neither is the coaching staff or their fan base or anybody on that team. They know what the implications are tonight against a Rockets team. And the Rockets are also coming off a of back-to-back, so that kind of helps um, in terms of keeping your eye on that game. So I don't know. Anything can happen. The one thing that I think is more pressing here is the Bulls still have to lose to the Pistons tonight. So, Which is no easy task. Very true. <laughs> and not, I mean, not only are the Bulls, whether it's Bobby Portis still playing hard, they uh, Hoiberg did confirm that Markkinen's going to get some minutes tonight, hopefully not too many. Sean Kilpatrick balling in fourth quarters. And remember, the Pistons, no Reggie Bullock, no Andre Drummond, no Blake Griffin. So that roster, without those three, is certainly a winnable game for the Bulls tonight. they got to be careful. So, Matt, I want to touch on something else today in this episode. So as we wind down the season, I figure this would be a good opportunity to give sort of our um, most surprising thing that has come from this Bulls team this year. Any storyline, any player, any coach, um, anything that surrounded this Bulls team, the most surprising and I guess the most disappointing part of this first year in this rebuild. I'll give you the opportunity. Let's go with the surprises first. So give me your biggest surprise on this Chicago Bulls team this year, whether it was a storyline, whether it was a player, whether it was a coach, um, something that happened throughout this season. What was your biggest surprise in year one of this rebuild? Obviously, other than the Nico and Bobby fight to start the season, which obviously caught everybody off guard. If you're talking about basketball I have to say surprisingly Cam Cameron Payne when he got a significant run of minutes after the all-star break looked less than worthless uh or I I guess I phrased that wrong looked (laughs) looked a little bit better than worthless his his season stats I mean he averaged 22 nearly 23 minutes nine points on 41% 41% shooting, uh, 37.5% from downtown, 4.3 assists per game to just 1.4 turnovers, uh, a- adding in a steal per game. He was not, and maybe it's just because I was sort of sardonically and sarcastically looking at, looking forward to campaign the embarrassment on the court to further prove how nightmarish that trade was. But he he showed some moments of a guy who, contrary to what we heard since he arrived in Chicago, might be able to do some things as a bench player in the NBA. To me, that was a shocker. I think my most surprising moment this season, I guess it comes in, in the form of a player too. And most surprising for me is Bobby Portis. I mean, we've talked about him a ton this season, and rightfully so. He's deserved it. He's played really hard. He's probably been the biggest surprise. I think if you ask the fan base as a collective, uh, any of our listeners out there who pay attention to this Bulls team night in and night out, I think the one thing that you can point to is Bobby Portis has been the consistent part of this team this entire year. And you take that... And you add it with what you had just said in the Bobby Portis, Nico Miritich fight coming off of that at the start of the season and then what Bobby Portis was able to turn his season into and the player that he developed into now in his third season has been really impressive. Uh, 13.2 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, shooting 47% from the field. 52.2% on efficiency field goal percentage, uh, just on 22.5 minutes per game coming off the bench. Like I said, he's not going to win six man of the year award or anything like that. 
But uh, don't be surprised if there's a couple votes for him at least. Um, he's been a guy that's come off that bench the entire year and been very consistent, playing 72 games and only started four games this season. So Bobby Portis, I mean, if I don't know what the ceiling is on his game and whether or not he can maybe take another step next year. We see those points per game go a little bit up. Um, the rebounding goes a little bit up. His defense gets a little bit better. Um, things are looking up for Bobby Portis at 22 years old. So I think he's been my my most surprising this season. And I've always been a real uh, a big fan of his game. And I didn't expect him to be as consistent as he was this year. And every time you looked at him and said, uh, maybe there's going to be an off night here or there. He had an off night here or there. He bounced back um, with a pretty solid game. And he can give his hand to uh, his former teammate Nico Miritich uh, kind of getting that kick started when he came back in that winning streak as well so probably putting Bobby Portis on the top of my list as the most surprising Chicago Bulls player this year and you can also add into that that pile of surprises pleasant surprises I mean we all were tentatively optimistic about Lowry Markkinen being a a guy that fit well in Fred Hoiberg's system, a kid who proved in his one year at Arizona that he was one of the best pure shooters in that draft class and had the potential to be a versatile scorer who could put the ball on the floor pretty well for a guy his size. And I think it's fair to say that Markkinen outperformed pretty much every Bulls fan's expectations this season. He... Instead of a guy who looked like a, another role player, a question mark, uh, you know, maybe he'll be, you know, decent. Maybe he'll be a role player. I think everybody was surprised just how fast he came out of the gate. And then even with the little bit of a, a slump he had where maybe towards February, March, he hit a little bit of a rookie wall. He bounced back. He's finishing the season strong and across the board looked like one of the best and most consistent players on this team and still is so young and has so much room to grow and develop his game. You have to say that the way that Lowry Markkinen made him made himself and uh, you know a presence on that court for the Bulls all season long definitely a surprise as well. Yeah, I'm extremely ready to see his transformation this summer and how much work he puts in because I know he will. And I, I was looking at pictures of Zach Levine when he first came into the league and his transformation in three years has been phenomenal. He looks in the best shape of his entire life. Um, so I'm hoping that sort of plays to the same factor to Lowry Markkinen. And obviously we've talked about other guys that have been stars in this league that have been drafted really high. And their sort of transformations over two, three, four years uh, coming into this league. And a lot of players have transformed their game just by their body. Like... You look at Anthony Davis when he came into this league, how small and skinny he was. Um, I look at Brandon Ingram, who still has a lot of weight to gain, but he's bu- he's bulked up a little bit. Um, obviously, the biggest and the most important comparison is the way Giannis transformed his body coming into this league, but it can happen. So I'm very excited to see um, what the training staff does with Lowry Market and how his regimen is this season. Being able to spend the entire summer in Chicago or somewhere in the United States, obviously probably going to take a little time off. Um, to go overseas, but planning to stay around the city and not play in the Euro League this summer uh, is pretty important. So I, yes, I am very, very excited for Lowry Markin and, and very impressed with his rookie season. All right, Matt, for our most disappointing thing um, for this bull season in year one of the rebuilds, I'll go first. So I think I'm going to stick with my guns here and outside of a potential chance of the Bulls getting into the top five, 
um, probably around a five percent chance the Bulls have three point six percent chance if they stay at seven. Um, if they split with the Kings tonight, it'll be about a five percent chance and a number one overall pick and just short of about 17% for a top three pick. So that's where I'm going to go. Like I had said, outside of what the players did and what the coaching staff did to build this team up in year one, still think it's a failure when you built this team to lose games and you didn't end up in that top five, like guaranteed at least end up in that top five. Um, the Bulls pulled out a lot of wins, a lot of a lot of head-scratching wins with players that maybe shouldn't have been in the games, especially in December, January, February, where the Bulls were still hanging around this idea of, yeah, we're going to look at development, but at the same time, we're going to be competitive and we're pulling off wins against teams maybe we shouldn't have. You look at the Tankathon roster now and the Bulls sit three games away of being at a spot tied for third. And so you look back at the season and you look at some of these games that they picked up wins against, um, it's a little disappointing. So I think if if we're looking at the most disappointing thing for the Chicago Bulls this year was not ending up in that top five for me. That's fair. Absolutely fair. I think my answer is different in that. And if what I am about to say is the thing that disappointed me didn't happen, who knows? Maybe the Bulls accidentally win even a few more games and are looking at drafting outside the top ten. You never know. But to me, it is the, and this is something we were talking about earlier, the limited amount of opportunities, the limited amount of games that we saw the trade pieces, the young core, play together. 12 games that we saw Dunn, Markkinen, and Levine share the floor, which is a small sample size, and it's not enough to either be excited or skeptical about what we saw because we really didn't see that much of it. Hoiberg didn't really have a chance to try to get those guys to perform cohesively on the court together. Uh, And then sort of underneath that I'm very disappointed that we only got 20 some games out of Zach Levine obviously they wanted to hold him out as long as possible in the ACL recovery to make sure he was healthy no risks and also help the tank along I get that Uh, but to have to shut him down early kind of a disappointment because it makes you worry about the contract situation coming into this offseason where the Bulls and, and, and Zach Levine and his agent will have to find some kind of common ground because he, he doesn't deserve max money, but he's gonna want he's gonna want something close to that, and the Bulls are gonna want to keep him around and lock him up on a multi year deal. But to me, even more disappointing than the, the Levine situation is Chris Dunn. And the fact that he started the year with a badly dislocated finger and then missed a big chunk of time with that nasty fall where he got a concussion and messed up his front teeth and all that kind of stuff. Because in that window of games in December and January, when Chris Dunn was healthy and starting, he was playing well. And he has talked about getting his swagger back this season after a rough rookie year where he didn't play much. I know that there's a lot of skepticism among Bulls fans that Chris Dunn can be one of the better point guards, the better starting point guards in this league. He's already a little bit older than the other parts of the rebuilding core, so you worry about exactly what his ceiling can be. But I just wonder what we may have seen from Chris Dunn if he had a full, healthy season. Because when he was healthy, the Bulls were running an efficient offense and winning a lot of those games in December and into January. So that's that's a big disappointment for me. It kind of goes against what you're saying is the disappointment of the Bulls not finding themselves in the top three, top five of this lottery. 
So maybe they are even worse off if Chris Dunn has a full, healthy 82-game season or something close to it. But just seeing how well he played in that stretch, it makes me disappointed seeing that we didn't get to, to see more of that this season. I think those are excellent points. And see, not seeing the core three of your players on top of that, not even landing in the top five. So I think you could correlate both of these, your disappointments and mine. Um, they're kind of cohesive in one big disappointment you could say that you didn't not only did you not get to see a full development of those three on the floor um, outside of 12 games you also didn't end up in the top five so essentially you were having guys on this roster that you don't really care about two three four years down the road winning games for you Um, so maybe those tie in together but I'm I'm with you and I don't think it's and I don't think what you're saying too for fans is it's not Chris Dunn's fault like it's just disappointing that he wasn't able to be on the floor and be able to develop a little bit yes Um, so I'm with you and it was two kind of freaky accidents like a dislocated finger and then the concussion after a dunk like just kind of two freak injuries and two freak accidents so I'm hoping the flash in the pan the confidence that we saw from Chris Dunn during December and January hope that's brought back um, kind of ramped up this summer and we see that coming into a fresh start and a healthy season for Chris Dunn this season well that's gonna about do it here on Locked On Bulls remember you can follow us on social media at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked On Bulls like us on Facebook facebook.com slash Locked On Bulls and subscribe to the show on iTunes Android Stitcher Google Play Spotify and anywhere you find podcasts you'll find us make sure to follow the Locked On Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well well, Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central time. For Matt Peck, for Jordan Malley, Bulls fans, enjoy the very last game of the regular season in year one of this rebuild tonight. Let's hope for a Pistons loss and a Kings win. Solidify our chances at the best opportunity for a top three pick in the NBA draft. Have a great night, Bulls Nation. Jordan and Matt Peck, we are out. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.